uh, please welcome, or I don't know what time, how many times this is, but we <laughs> frequently on Saturdays, set gender Saturdays, Robert Patterson. Happy Saturday to you. Ha- happy Saturday to you, and our first spring Saturday, I think. Ooh, the spring solstice has dawned upon us. How's the weather there in beautiful Omaha, Nebraska? It's actually getting really nice, and uh, and then uh, in not in Omaha area, but uh, in more rural Nebraska, that a lot of people come to see the cranes uh, as they kind of uh, begin their migration. Migration. So, and my parents were out there this past weekend or the week the week before. Yeah. So, but people travel from all over. Jane Goodall usually comes out to come come see it, but I love Jane Goodall. She's done so she, much for the great apes. Yes. So, but but yeah. So yeah, it feels like spring. I feel like yeah, we, we are finally past winter, even though we have a couple more days left in March. You never know; we could still get snow here, but I think we're past it. What's the old saying? The old uh, adage: "Comes in like a lion, leaves like a lamb." I think so. Yeah. You Is kind that of freak- applicable with climate change? Uh. <laughs> It's it's gonna be weekly applicable. Like <laughs> Monday could start something, and then it just kind of fades away, and then and then right. you and you've been in multi seasonal places, and then you just forget that winter ever existed until, and then you're always shocked uh, when it happens again. You do. I always did something very OCD when I lived in a seasonal place. Was I would swap out like cause I have a lot of clothes, or I had a lot of clothes the winter and summer wardrobe mm-hmm. months where I would pack away the summer mu- clothes like in containers under the bed. And that was it till it was spring again. And then vice versa with the winter. Cause I didn't, it's very OCD, but I didn't want to have like sweaters next to t-shirts in the closet. I wanted them all organized. So I would commit to a date. And when I did it, that was it. And there was no going back. So it could have been like March 18th and I switched to summer and then it snows. It's like, Got the jacket. Otherwise, we're wearing these t-shirts. It's already in a bin. What am I going to do? Uh, yeah, I can't, I can't reach down the two feet and pick it up because <laughs> that would mess up the entire system. It is a lot of trouble. Yeah, Paxol. I think it was Paxol that helped that. that back <laughs> in the day. Well, we got a good show tonight. We're going to get into a lot of stuff. So on tonight's show is going to be the top 30, uh, or top 30 honorable mentions, but also the highest grossing, top 10 highest grossing films of 1986 via Box Office Mojo as well as some other discussions. Uh, listen to all the shows for free on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, and KOMH on Omaha, uh, Nebraska. That's not true, <laughs> but I really wish we were on Omaha, Nebraska. So I can live from Omaha. <laughs> KOH. Robert Patterson had a plug today from our favorite Arrested Development um, actor and yours, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Was he on Arrested a- Development? <laughs> He was not on Arrested Development. What was he on? What was his childhood? Um, he was on. He he kind of grew up on Third Rock from the Sun. Third Rock from the Sun. And then he played Jimmy in Halloween H two O. And he was in Roseanne back in the day. Oh, uh, was he? Yeah, I he think, was yeah, DJ's he was, neighbor's. Yeah, DJ's friend who was a neighbor. But Joseph so. Gordon Levitt gave you some love today. Yeah, apparently he came across my website because uh, one of my favorite. Films actually is one of my favorite books that became a film. Uh, it's called Mysterious Skin, and uh, Scott Heim wrote that. And actually, I remember vividly this was the days when you would go to bookstores <laughs> and look at books. And uh, it was kind of one of the it wasn't you know, it wasn't a dollar bin, but you know, like they put out the, the books they're trying to get rid of at a discounted price. And sure, 
and the cover had all these uh, Fruit Loops on the bo- on the cover, and I was like, oh, I like Fruit Loops, you know. And yeah. I was reading the back, and and I liked the author and uh, the way he looked. So I thought, oh, I'll buy this for five dollars or whatever it must be. And it'd be my one of my favorite books. And uh, the guy, he loved horror movies, and he, he, I just saw a lot of me in the book. And uh, it was it one was of my self, it was reflective of your it life. It was, and he grew up in Kansas. He was from Kansas, so Midwest. And what happened was, I think one of my first emails I ever sent, I was reading an interview with Scott Heim, and he said, oh, my email is this. And I emailed him, and my email at the time was Laurie Strode something. And I think I just sent an email like, oh, I really like your book, and blah, blah, blah. You know, like nothing too much. Right. And he wrote back, and he he talked about, he's like, well, I recognize Laurie Strode, and I'm a huge Halloween fan. And so we've, <laughs> uh, ever since, we've been in communication and then uh one time uh he was uh when mysterious skin became a film and several years later he was uh kind of not not touring with it but he was going to different cities and uh, he made sure omaha was a stop and uh so i kind of uh hung out with him and showed him around cool yeah so um but but anyway i i did went to the locations uh used in the film of course it takes place in kansas and new york and they shot it in la with a little bit of new york and so, uh, yeah, apparently uh, Joe came across it and uh, gave a shout out on his uh, Facebook and probably other social media, which is nice. That's amazing. That's a huge, uh, a huge compliment to your work yes. and a good b- boost to the Set Jetter brand. Yes. Um, that's pretty amazing. It's got to make you feel like a million bucks because it's cool yeah. to see others, albeit famous people, um, recognize your work and give you like you know appreciate that work. Yes. Especially the actual actors, which is always nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's no, pretty cool. Yeah, made my when second. was Mysterious Skin? What was the year of that release? I think it was two thousand four. Yes, I vaguely I've never seen it, but I do remember like that movie. It's a it's kind of a hard film to watch, um, but uh, just some Gordon. It sounds Lovett. mysterious it and skin like mysterious, and uh, Elizabeth Shue is in it. She plays his mother, Ooh. so you, you can't Our go wrong. Favorite Chino Lass. I love her. Did the film do well theatrically? I think it did okay. I think Joe Joseph was really recognized for his performance. Um, yeah. Anything. He is a great actor. Yeah. Um, he loves so that's probably one of his best. Yeah. So, but yeah. So I was excited. That's very exciting. Congratulations. That's a cool, a cool plug. How did he find it? Was he like clicking around kind of thing? I think, yeah, I think he just kind of found it on the internet. So maybe he was. <laughs> Maybe they they won't admit they will ever Google themselves, but <laughs> oh, we know, yeah, of course. <laughs> it's like Eminem always raps about lately that like he doesn't listen to critics, and it's like yes, you do because that's all you're complaining about. <laughs> we all secretly do it. I wanted to ask you a question. I watched this documentary the other night on Netflix called The Last Blockbuster. Have you seen it? I did. I actually watched it as well. What are your What's your takeaway of this? I do like. Um, that they show like Kevin Smith as like the guy in it, and he's in it for all but four minutes of mm-hmm. this two-hour documentary. <laughs> so they did they did effectively market it where they got him to like do a soundbite, and I think he's only in it for like four minutes. Yeah, but the, I thought it was very well done and very respectful and nostalgic. What did you take away from the last blockbuster? I like. Which if you're not lot. familiar, I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah. If you're not familiar, listeners, the last blockbuster is in Bend, Oregon. And basically, you know, Viacom owns Blockbuster, the name, and they kind of just let these people still use it because it's like good press. But just a little background, it's there's no like more Blockbuster company. It's just kind of there. 
So that's why it's called The Last Blockbuster. My apologies, Robert. No problem. So, um, no, I really liked it. Obviously, um, I grew up uh, in that era where you would go and pick out tapes or two tapes uh, on Friday night. And I don't know how much time you spent going around the store looking for the right one because you don't want to mess it up, you know, because you're, you're stuck with it. Or you, or you have 48 hours to watch it, too, until you, <laughs> until you bring it back. So I remember I used to go with my friend Ellie, and she would always pick out movies solely based on the cover. And if the cover was embossed at all, one of those. she just thought, she goes, well, it must be good. I'm like, no, it's probably worse if it's... <laughs> embossed um i do know the cover people you you look at a movie like well this looks good you're like no there's giant ticks on there like this is horrible like it looks great i was like the artwork is very good this movie probably terrible but but you think at the time that opened up to all these all these horror movies that i've heard about and then i got old enough to kind of watch them and i like you know and so it was always kind of a treasure trove of of like a which 80s horror movie you know Am I going to kind of check out today? Or I'd read about them in Fangoria magazine. So, And so we had very, I think we we had kind of the mom and pop stores before we got a Blockbuster. But uh, when Blockbuster came, that kind of opened, they, they had more, a bigger catalog. And so there's, you know, the, the mom and pop stores would have a pretty finite amount of titles that they would get. And Blockbuster, of course, was able to get more. Yeah, they, they did. I, I remember there was West Coast video before Blockbuster in my neck of the woods. And I would spend like 30 minutes picking out a Nintendo game. And then the second you got in the car with your parents, you regretted that one and you wish you got something else. And with Blockbuster, one thing that I liked about the documentary is they talk about how that was an experience. It was something to do. Blockbuster, getting a movie was a night. Remember back in high school, like friends, girlfriend, whatever. You could be like, let's do this. We could do this. Let's go get a movie. You go to Blockbuster, you'd spend an hour looking around. You rent two movies, and that was it. You could buy candy. It was like a whole thing. And one thing I didn't know about Blockbuster, the company that I learned from the documentary, was Netflix wasn't really the sole reason that they went out, which I always thought it was. Like, how can you compete with that? But they were talking about how the reason Blockbuster went out of business was they didn't jump on uh, like these opportunities early on. Is that kind of where they were going with that? Yeah, I think they just made it a couple mistakes that culminated into the demise. They could, have, they could have bought Blockbuster. I mean, they could have purchased Netflix and they refused. Yeah, yeah at the time they could have done that or they could have kind of merged. And so when they kind of finally figured it out, then it was kind of too late. So, But it also got me thinking after I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised until we're, we're going to hit a bubble now with all these apps, you know, between, you know, Paramount Plus and discovery plus you know like how many more uh, <laughs> yeah. monthly streaming apps are we going to get i wouldn't be i could see um them t- somebody taking advantage by a com of having blockbuster plus as a, a streaming service where people could one uh feel inclined to say oh i i remember that i remember blockbuster and that i, I picture that can, um taking advantage of being an app of something oh yeah absolutely and i think we are in that bu- that bubble right now in the sense that there's so much intellectual property being controlled by, you know, their sovereign body that you can get so many things on Peacock, Netflix, whatever, but you can't get everything. And the only thing that really ever come close to that was one blockbuster and two Netflix in the early days. If you like were renting the DVD services, cause you could really find anything, mm-hmm. but now you can only get so much. And I feel like people are getting exhausted with this and it's going to like, uh, it's going to, it's going to collapse, you know. Yeah, and and the the thing with Blockbuster is, 
they talked about this in the documentary was they did try to do the you know streaming service, but they did it too little too late. Um, and it was like working for a little bit, but then it wasn't. And it just, they were the last guy to the party. And at that point, um, you know, they spoke about how they had the brick and mortar stores. Like they can't keep this operation viable. And that's how they went under. But I'm amazed that uh, it was only up until a few years ago that there were still like operating stores. Alaska you know? was the... Alaska. <laughs> uh, f- uh, helped by the donations of Russell Crowe's movie memorabilia. <laughs> Oh, you know, it's interesting. Well, we shouldn't spoil it, but uh, but yeah. So one one of the the costumes uh, did not make it to the Black Blast blockbuster. And I wonder if they kept on to that particular piece. <laughs> that was the reason. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if because it's obviously nostalgic, but if they ever tried to redo that, if that business model would work again, and I don't think it would, because it's easier to click your fingers and watch something than to physically go to the store. Yeah. And while that's like a fun thing to do, it's not a practical way to get movies anymore. It's not. And I, I and it got me thinking, like, I wonder if it's like a... So obviously vinyl made a resurgence. Actually, vinyl surpassed CDs uh, in sales. And I'm like, are we just going to... Is there different kind of circles that are going to be happening uh, where... I, I don't know. I could see certain uh, adults wanting to kind of revisit that, but it would still be a novelty. It wouldn't be every Friday night. Um, we all got to the point where we're kind of lazy, we're clicking through, you know, and we give something sure. about 30 seconds before we move on. We're like, no, no, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. And we're very selfish with it and very, like, uh, immature, at least myself. It's like, there's nothing to watch. No, oh, Matthew, absolutely. there's 8,000 things to watch at your fingertips. <laughs> Don't ever say that. But, you know, we're very, uh, not selfish, but the word is, like, uh, impatient, you know, and they, we want to watch something right now that we want. Um <laughs> I think with Blockbuster, what's that? Is it, we, we do that even with uh, when we, were, we did South by Southwest last week or the week before. And oh, yeah. a movie will be like 90 seconds in. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. We're very quick to, yeah. to judge and say it's terrible. Which is, which is on, the, on the other side of the token, is because there's so much available out there and so much to watch. Um, we do have options where we don't need to settle. So I think that really fuels into like, well, there's so many other things. Why am I wasting my time with this? It has to like catch you right away. Yeah, absolutely. I did have a Blockbuster card when I moved to Los Angeles that I used. And I did get a uh, a membership to like some mom and pop shop up the street. So I was like, oh, I want to support the arts. It's in Hollywood itself. Like this is kind of cool to go into Hollywood and like rent a movie. And I went there once and rented like Ladder 49 or something like that. And I was like, this is inconvenient. Like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. So I went to Blockbuster a few other times and kept trying to. But the thing was, they really didn't have a lot of stuff. They had like everything mainstream. But I remember I wanted to rent. The reason I got Netflix was I went to, and I was late to the game with Netflix. It was like 2010, 2011. I went to rent uh, the day after, you know, like the nuclear Holocaust movie. And the guy's like, we don't have it. And I'm like, oh, okay. He's like, we have the day after tomorrow. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> so I was like, do you have Born to be Wild? It, was, it came out last year. It's a Disney movie about elephants starring Morgan Freeman. I think it's Disney, but it's one of those nature films. Yeah. And the guy's like, I don't see it in here. I've never heard of it. I'm like, you're 0 for 2, man. So I got Netflix that night, and like, I rented, well, I, Born to be Wild, I rented later, I think, but both of those, like, the same night, I was like, ah, 
blockbusters really striking out. To yeah. me, that was like the, the straw that broke the shark's back was the insolence of that employee. If he lied Absolutely. to me and said, I love them, <laughs> I'd be back next week. But he's like, I've never heard of it. I'm like, well, I've never heard of you. <laughs> I'll show you. Well, the other thing they pointed out, too, which I kind of forgot, is that uh, early on, uh, videos were priced for rental. So if you actually wanted to buy a video, it was like $99, which is probably equates to $230 in today's. Um, yes. So you, I did not realize you that. didn't go out and buy that. It wasn't until much later where you could buy movies for like 20 bucks on VHS or dif different things. But, um, and that's why you just, you couldn't actually own these movies still. Yes, exactly. I didn't realize that either watching the documentary that how expensive they were. Um, and they tried to do that in the early days where it was $200, like you said, to buy a movie. And then they're like, well, let's just buy a bunch and rent them. And they're like, let's challenge it. What, what were the, what was the movie industry thinking by, assuming people would spend this money for a film like come on yeah I th and that's why i think it was more or less built to for retailers to buy and they would make their money off of it um so if you spent 100 bucks uh you'd have to rent it x amount of times anything after that would be your surplus that that you get right um but then and i was uh i was an early adopter of we actually used to rent laser discs um and it was yeah. before it was more like the the video discs that were there enclosed in plastic you never actually touched the disc the whole plastic thing would go into the player and spit it out and the disc would be in there and then you take it out so it was kind of this weird contraption but then eventually i adopted actual laser discs which i still have um because that's sometimes the first time you could get widescreen films it was better yeah. quality um, I remember my favorite laser disc I bought, I think it was 2003, uh, Halloween. Um, it was the first time it was ever widescreen, and the first time they ever, ever officially released the TV scene. So, and it had commentary with Jamie Lee Curtis and, and John Carpenter and Deborah Hill and all these kind of extras that weren't around. Yeah, I mean, you didn't have that on VHS. Which is pretty cool to have that, too. Yeah, the, the DVDs had, a, aside just from the clarity of the picture, like a huge advantage with the extra you know, the bonus features back in the day. And I, I did like that about Blockbuster, that you could buy the films if you wanted to. Like, I remember buying Scarface there. Best cinematography ever, Scarface. That's right. And after, it was like, cool. After they've been, somebody rented it a hundred times, and then like, now you can buy this like, worn-out VHS tape. I did like when Blockbuster was on the way down, that they would sell the movies for like a dollar. Because I, I remember I'd go there and I'd clean up like 20 bucks was like 10 movies and i was like this is great you buy everything i was like well it's a dollar what if it's, yeah, it's a dollar i'll we'll still have it yeah there was one it, i think it was anaconda's four it was like or anaconda four and it was that believe it or not they made like four or five of them like direct yeah. to dvd kind of thing but the cover was like a jungle scene with the actors i think david hasselhoff was in it they got oh, him there you go and there was ball pythons like the kind of snakes that are right behind me in the artwork, and I was like, these aren't even anacondas. Like, at least Photoshop the right animal. It was so bad. And I posted that on Facebook, and somebody's like, oh, do you think you're like some snake expert? I was like, it's not an anaconda. Well. <laughs> like, it's not even big. It's cute. Like, I want to hug it. It was so bad. And um, and I would go there, and I would, like, clean up on these, these movies, and it was great. But uh, I remember the staff at the Blockbuster kept getting really like short fused towards the end here in Tarzana because I'd still like go and rent a movie and like the movies weren't rewound or not rewound. They were DVDs, but they weren't like put back properly and you could still see like build up. I think there was like one employee working there and it was a guy that 
like if he wasn't a blockbuster, he'd be on the news for a mass shooting kind of looking guy. <laughs> so I was like, oh, this place is not like fun anymore. Yeah. Uh, they just don't care. They are they ran, I, which, which I get. Yeah, but I think Robert needs to open up his own. Rob, it'll be called, and even though you don't go by Rob, it'll be called Rob's Reynolds in Omaha, just because it has like catchy. My family actually calls me Rob. So do they really? Oh yeah. So I, I have my different names that I use. So actually, I grew up Rob R O B, and then in I think high school it became R O B B Rob. Oh, you did the but, double B. Yeah. So when I was young, I used to go by Robbie, R O B B I E, and then really? uh, and then Robert is kind of like my professional name, but uh. My, my friends now call me Robbie, so that's how I I know who's approaching me by what <laughs> what name you call me. What about Bob? No, that's my dad's name. So no, I just like to promote the movie. What about Bob? Have you seen oh, it? I <laughs> I have once. I didn't really like that movie, but no, I've never seen it. Yeah. Um, what do you prefer, Rob? Robert? 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 Robbie? If you really not, get to, but know. not Bobby. No. That, that was Bobby, Bob, Bobby was my dad's childhood name. So, is it okay? Yeah, we, so we had to create that separation. I do. I do enjoy your variations, though, in the history of it. The uh, tonight we're also going to get into a few other things, but um, uh, just to recap, the last blockbuster. You did you enjoy it, Robert? Like, what did you yeah. take away from yeah. it? Yeah, I would encourage people to check it out. Um, it's w- worth the watch. You know, and I I enjoy documentaries more than narrative films anymore and i think probably because i just in the past uh, couple months i sat through a couple film festivals and the documentaries are always superb and they're always kind of uh, much better than the the narrative films yes i agree with you the documentaries have went from zero to 80 in the past 10 years the caliber and quality is tremendous with uh documentary films they're just so good they're what did they call documentary films in the last last blockbuster special interests special yeah well yeah they probably barely had any uh, at the time we were like right and at the time i would be like i don't want to watch a documentary but documentaries were a tough sell pre like 2005 pre uh inconvenient truth documentaries mm. were pretty a pretty tough sell i remember I, I tried to watch like a few this year from like 95 there was one on like mike tyson another one on prison i don't know really dark territories apparently yeah. i went to one night but the quality is just terrible it's like a it's like a handheld you know camcorder for home movies that they put these on and you're like oh, it's, a tough, tough. it's yeah but much uh, you went to so that's our take on the last blockbuster kids you went to south by southwest last week or you watched them remotely virtually yeah how was it it was, really, it was pretty good. It was, it was similar to Sundance. Um, it was a little bit easier because I think once you signed up, you could watch them. Once they were released, you could watch them anytime. Um, so it was kind of nice to be able to kind of uh, not be holding to a certain time to watch something. So um, my favorite one out of everything I think I saw my, uh, was Swan Song with Udo Kier. Udo Kier is one of my kind of favorite actors. Um, and there's there's kind of nobody like him. So this film was just, I think it was written for him. Or, yeah, or it was actually pitched to him. And so, but yeah, so it was probably my favorite. What was the, that was like the big takeaway for you then? Yeah. So, yeah. So it's, he, he more or less plays, uh, he's in a, I don't know if he called it nursing home, but it's kind of virgin on there. And 
uh, a, a woman that he used to uh, do her hair um, and makeup uh, passed away, and they had a falling out years ago. And so they asked him in her will. She she wanted him to come back uh, for to do her up for her funeral, uh, her body. And so it's kind of his tra- his jaunt uh, traveling back uh, to to do that for her. And that it's a small role, but that role was played by Linda Evans, who I don't think has been on screen in decades. So, who who is Linda Evans? She was from Dynasty. So, oh yeah, she was. That's kind of what she's kind of known for. So it was one kind of good to see her on screen, even though it was briefly again. But uh, Udo Kier. So I'm a Madonna fan. So he he was in a couple of her videos, of course, and he was in the Sex Book, Madonna's Sex Book. Oh really? Yeah. So um, and he, he's uh, he's in the Madonna canon. Yeah, I've met him a couple times, and uh, I, one of the conventions he was actually. Uh, he was in the room next to me and I think I was coming out to the hallway when he was checking in and just, he's like, hello. And I'm like, hi. And I'm like, are, he's like, are you my neighbor? I'm like, yep. I'm like, and I, and I knew who it was. And for some reason I'm like, are you Udo? And he's like, yes, I am. And anyway, anyway he, he was a nice guy. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah. exciting to meet one of your like favorite performers, someone in their, you know, like uh, their circle. Be like yeah. me meeting Brian, you know, like the U2 producer. I'd be like, it's you. It's him. But um, I actually brought the sex book, I think, for him to sign, which oh, that's exciting. Probably does not happen too often at convention horror movie conventions. But no, no, but one in Rome, yeah. you have it. I uh, I forgot to tell you something too early on in our friendship that I wanted to share with you. I remember the other night, being that you're such a Madonna fan, you'd appreciate this. Back in high school, before the days of like Spotify and everything like that, my friends and I would get in two cars and we would play um, either like a virgin, but it was usually like a prayer in sync with each other on a CD. So we'd be like, all right, press play in five, four, three, boom. We would drive around this town called New Hope, Pennsylvania. It's a lovely, yeah. beautiful river town. Of course. And yeah. all we would do is drive down the strip playing this at sixteen, seventeen, singing the people out the window. It got so bad, we were pulled over by the police twice over the course of the summer. We had mortar, literal mortar from construction workers thrown at the cars. <laughs> And the middle finger get because all we would do is sing this song out the window to people for the entire summer because it was so boring to live there. And I thought about this the other night. And I was like, oh, I got to tell Robert. He'll think it's like the, the most fun thing ever. But, I, but all, you would just hear people like, you know, uh, walking and they would hear, life is a mister. And they'd be like, oh, shit, it's happening again. It's again. It was amazing, Robert. <laughs> and Like a Virgin was a big hit too, but we usually did Like a Prayer. Because they they did it turned into like a dance song towards the end, you yeah. Know, like the congos and stuff, so it was like more festive for the the party goers. Well, yeah. If you're going to be sh- shouting songs at somebody, it better be Madonna. I actually think we were doing the world a service. We weren't paintballing. We weren't yelling profanities. We were singing a, yeah. a beautiful song from the '80s to a festive crowd. I think we should have been applauded. Yeah. And by the way, when we were pulled over, there was no like charges. It was like, you guys just need to keep it down. It's disturbing the peace. But they were like laughing. They're like, just stop singing Madonna out loud. Pick another song. (laughs) I don't think I heard that. No. But I think it was more like, we have to pull you over because half of your torso is out the window yelling. (laughs) But it was great. And I I wish we could go back to Oh, we had masks too. That was another thing. Like animal masks. It was a whole production. That adds a different spin for sure. Yeah. Speaking of Madonna, what would you? What's a better live song, like a prayer or like a virgin? Um, so she almost does like a virgin 
every tour, but she always does it completely differently. And so I don't think she did it on this last one, but she, she does different. So like one was kind of a rockabilly version and one is which kind of did this kind of German piano bar type thing. So she, she, she does a different version. And I got to find this like a version rockabilly style. Yeah, I would do. So if you turn like a virgin in the uh, rebel heart tour. Really? Um, yeah. So, um, so she always kind of puts the, and actually, I think that's my sister's favorite version uh, of that. But, uh, but yeah, so if she does like a virgin, it's never the, the 80s version that you kind of remember. She always kind of really, puts yeah, because she, one, she knows people want to hit, hear the hits, but she also gets tired of. <laughs> I can understand that. Thing a lot of bands do that. They'll do like an acoustic version because they're like, we've played this 8,000 times. Does Like a Prayer, does she stick to the original? That pretty much does stick the to the original, and she knows that no matter what knocks it out of the park. Like, if the audience goes wild for anything, it's that song. And so that's probably her most kind of universally liked song, no matter who you are. It's her, uh, it's her Stairway to Heaven. It's the, yeah. easily the most popular, beloved song that she's done, because everybody loves Like a Prayer. Even if you don't like Madonna or you don't like her other songs, you like that song. Uh, here's Madonna. You want to hear a clip, Robert? Sure. <laughs> this is the Rebel Heart tour. Yep, I think so. Yeah. Which you can briefly see me in a couple shots. I was going to ask, are, are you going to be in here? This is in um, uh, for Rebel Heart. I think I show up near the beginning. And I think one other spot, MDNA tour. I, I show up a couple times on the on the screen. She has a lot of energy. Yes. So is uh, that was Rebel Heart was a reverse big tour, uh, and then the Madam X tour from a couple years ago was kind of the theater tour. So it was a little bit toned down. Did Did you see her 2012 Super Bowl halftime show? I did. Not lot. I mean, not in person, but. I was excited because that was the first uh, we knew that she'd probably announce the tour the next day. And so uh, this was kind of a first glimpse of what the tour could look like or kind of what she was thinking about. So um, I, I remember I was, well, I was not a football fan, so I was kind of falling asleep. And then I woke up right before for halftime. And then I think I uh, the next day or a couple of days after I took the logo that she showed on on screen. Oh, well, hi. Put that up to the camera. Wow. That's the MDNA logo that she had on the stage. So I think I got that right away. That looks painful. Yeah. Well, there was a lot of black <laughs> to shade in. Um, but yeah. So there's uh, some Madonna fans. Got, they call it tour panic mode because trying to buy Madonna what? tickets is it is stressful because they'll announce tickets and you're trying to find the right seat and you, you have one in your queue and should you buy it or not? And uh, should you wait for other seats to open up? And it's just kind of this For the big. fan club you're talking about. Uh, usually fan club, it kind of depends. Sometimes you get a little bit of early access and sometimes you don't. So it all depends on like what's in the cards. It's the most. Yeah. I, I take those days off. I it's, <laughs> it, it's tough to get in there because a lot of it still revolves around the internet or all of it involves on the internet, but a lot of it still revolves in who's the quickest to get in there versus cash and refreshing your page. Like they haven't made considerable advancements since like 2005 of how you get tickets online, yeah. unless you have some kind of special deal or early access. Yeah. 
So. Jimmy Buffett's notorious for that. I'll try to get tickets for him when I when he comes around, and you have to like refresh your page at the right time. So I'll just put like a window up or thirty windows up with an auto refresher. Yeah, that's like automatic, so it'll like, oh. get in there. Like I'm one of those guys that's like yeah. I'm gonna manipulate the system. It, it still doesn't work that way. No, it's gonna stop that because it will kind of lock you out then if you try too many times. And so, not if you're using different IP addresses. Yeah, well, I I was not doing that. So, no. but um, oh, but you've tried to do that. Yeah. So it, it's but uh, but and sometimes it kind of depends. Like a couple of tours where uh, you get to buy like rows on the aisle, but they don't tell you where you're at. <laughs> you just know really? that you. Have, like if there's a catwalk, uh, you're somewhere next to the catwalk. That's all. That's all you know. Um, so oh, you it's a general of, section. Yeah. So I remember the opening night of Rebel Heart. Right. I didn't know where I was. I just knew I was next to the catwalk. Um, and luckily, uh, the the kind of the showrunners for that show remembered me, and they said we gave you the best catwalk seats. So it was right at the the. No, oh, you, you got yeah. hooked up. Yeah, I did. So I, yeah, because I, I picked up my tickets and there was a note to me saying "Good to see you again" or something like that. I was like. Whew, I made it. <laughs> that's really cool. And then there was yeah. another note from Madonna that said, "Get off my lawn." And you were like, "Oh, oh. too close." Too Where was that show at? Omaha, uh, Montreal, Montreal. Yeah, so. that's cool. Did what? And uh, when she performs, when Madonna performs, like a prayer, you said it's fairly standard. Yeah, and it's one of those for each whole, show. I mean, yeah, it doesn't matter. It seems like to me the entire arena is standing, even in the nosebleeds. Does she ever play Beautiful Stranger from Austin Powers? Uh, I think only in the Drowned World Tour. She she did that one. I don't think she sang it again since that time. It's a fun song. Yeah. I, I do like uh, Hung Up. Is that the mm-hmm. one? That's a good song. Did she perform that live? She did. She So Confessions Tour, obviously, for sure. Um, she came out of the big disco ball. And then I think for a couple of tours after. And then she would kind of do variations on it or she would do like <laughs> sometimes what she would do she'll, she'll like literally do variations she'll like uh she'll do 30 seconds of a song and then move it morphs into something else and i feel bad because she'll like oh like do, a snippet she'll do like 40 seconds of papa don't preach everybody's all excited and because they, they're like oh i remember this song and, and then she does something completely different and people are like what oh you can't do that with a classic <laughs> i know so <laughs> she does that to to mess with people she just yeah, she does like a teaser to, to say like, yeah. hey, I did it. <laughs> At least she's playing something from the originals. There there are performers that have been around forever that um, will only play the new stuff when people yeah. are only going to hear the old. Like Bob Dylan's notorious for that. It Bob Dylan sounds terrible, by the way. So it's, if you're gonna go see him live, which I did, you're gonna want to hear you know, uh, the the original songs blowing in the wind you're gonna want to hear yeah. I shot the sheriff you know all all the originals and he'll just play like two of those and all new music it's like ah we don't want to hear your new stuff Madonna, like, you got to do a balance of both yeah. that's that's she, what she most does that people too, do where like for the show seventy percent of it is the new stuff where a lot of audiences don't know what it is um, and that's why the the, the like prayers just really stand out where people are like yes yeah. But Madonna's new stuff is still better than Bob Dylan's new stuff. Uh, probably. I mean, come on. Have you heard Bob Dylan? He's terrible. No, no. Man, get it in the basement. See, he's having a stroke. Help him out. Um, his he. There's not a more awkward part though in any song than Bob Dylan's part in Michael Jackson's "We Are the World," 
where you have like Stevie uh, Wonder, Michael Jackson, Diana Ross, and then all of a sudden Bob Dylan comes in. He's like, wee, wee. And you're like, what is going on? These kids, if they're not starving before, they're starving now. And that's just prime. I think that was probably the most made fun of. Or, you know, when people are mimicking that song, that's that's who they choose. Of course. To mimic. Uh, Cindy Lauper's no gem in that song either, but well. that's another conversation. <laughs> Um, we're going to get into uh, the 1986 highest grossing films and do they still hold up? It's a segment that we have done. This will be the sixth time we've done this, gem, or maybe the fifth. And uh, we're going to get or into... Seventh. Or seventh. <laughs> we're going to scrap this section, actually, and just talk about The Stand on CBS All Access. <laughs> do you miss The Stand, Robert? Um, after I started watching Clarice, I sure missed The Stand. <laughs> do you miss... Do you, is did you drop off of Clarice or are you committed? Actually, till the end? Clarice is not coming back for another couple of weeks. They they took a break, so they should take um, a break for the rest of their lives with that. Well, yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, I'm already waiting for it to the not renewed, um, but 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 we'll see. <laughs> the uh, it's funny. Um, I miss the stand. I wish we had more stand episodes. It was just so well done, Robert. What are we going to do to fill that <laughs> void? We will find something to fill. Don't worry. So. Top grossing films of 1986. Do they still hold up? Robert, let's start with your opinion on Talk to Me Goose. Who do we got up there? Cougar and Merlin and Maverick and Goose? Great. Maverick and Goose. Tom Cruise, Val Kilmer, Kelly McGillis, Top Gun. Go. Uh, uh, one, this film, I didn't even see this in the theater. I was kind of anti-Top Gun at the time. Um, and then when I finally did, I was like, oh, I kind of see the appeal, kind of the popcorn appeal of it. And it really kind of set the stage for um, cinematography. It was kind of like orange orange top to blue bottom and just kind of this kind of fast. I mean, it was it became all about the soundtrack for sure. If movies weren't about the soundtrack, not the uh, orchestral music, but the, <laughs> the jukebox, you know, what songs are in it. This was it. This was it. So, True. Um, but yeah, so, but that's being said. So, one, this movie does not hold up for me. But two, I will probably go see Top, or I'll watch Top Gun 2 or whatever they're calling it whenever that comes out. Maverick. Out. Yeah. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Well, it's called Top Gun Maverick. Okay. Of course it is. Why would it? <laughs> the By movie... the way, Ed Harris is way too old to be a uh, an admiral in that movie. They usually. Oh, Mandatorily, mandatorily retire you at like 70 in the Navy and he's like pushing 80 and he's like I'm in charge you're like no you're not well um, how, what's that how old is Tom Cruise I don't know like he's pushing 60 yeah and he's flying planes yeah I mean he's not you can fly planes any age he's flying in the Navy as a fighter pilot um, I'll see it too it still holds up for me I enjoy this movie it's a it's it's a cheesy movie it's not like a great film but uh I watched this a lot as a kid. I watched it my whole life. Whenever it's on, I'll watch it. I think it's it's a fun ride. And the soundtrack is great because it's so 80s. And even the, the score, the or, or, orchestral score is so 80s too. There's like a lot of synth going on. So it's, it's a fun ride for me. I enjoy Top Gun. Um, Crocodile Dundee. That ain't a knife. See, it's a knife. <laughs> Uh, I wanted to watch this the other night, and they only had Crocodile Dundee 2 streaming, Oof. so I, I got on that board. Yeah. On that boat, on board that boat. That's a tough one. It's basically uh, a carbon copy of the first one, but worse. Yeah, no, this this one does not hold up for me. It's probably one same thing. It did not hold up for me at the time. 
yeah. uh, the kind of uh, fish out of water stories are it's a typical movie trope but uh and right. obviously it worked for a lot of a lot of people <laughs> uh, apparently and it was the only one that did well uh critically too the second one was panned even though it it made made mo- its money back and the third one is considered one of the worst movies of all time i didn't even know there was a third one few do um there it's he goes to los angeles because they're like well let's just shoot outside the studio and he's it, it's bad it's really bad it does not hold up for me either i never really cared for crocodile dundee and he i didn't care for paul hogan uh he's i think he's not a great actor he was a novelty that you know took off and then he did all these bad movies that's beside the point. I just never cared for Crocodile Dundee. I didn't think they were like fun movies. They were just kind of almost Indiana Jones, but not. Yeah. You know? it was more, uh, more jewel like of the Nile. Yeah. He was like he was like a poacher. You know. Yeah. yeah like, I don't care for a guy that's like killing animals. <laughs> that would not fly today. <laughs> yeah. Remember in the second one? I hope you don't because you I you don't. haven't watched it. But he has like the alligators. Like, oh, where do you think I got this one? Like, he just killed this thing. <laughs> And it's like I don't. I want an alligator to eat him. I want a crocodile to eat Paul Hogan. But at the time, we probably didn't think twice about it. Really nope, can. not at all. Yeah. So no, I agree with you, Robert. Doesn't hold up uh, for me either. Uh, the Karate Kid Part Two. Um, I don't really particularly like this entry in the film, so I'm going to say for me, it doesn't hold up. It does not for me either, and I don't want to be that guy of like. Uh... <laughs> It's too different than the original because obviously we want them. We don't want a carbon copy of the original. And when they do try to do that, I won't name names. Karate Kid Part Three. We see <sighs> how sometimes that ha- that turns out. <laughs> it's not. Wax on, wax off. You know what I didn't like about the sequel, uh, Karate Kid Part Two, was the first one was like a perfect fun film in the valley, yeah. all the magic, and then they took it out of that and put him in Japan, which would work with another film, but. There was too much different than the first one where you didn't really, I didn't really buy it. I wasn't yeah. really buying that this kid is doing this. It probably would have worked better um, in a decade or two later, you know, or something like that. To, you do want to yes. see something different or same, same characters in a different kind of place or situation. But right. uh, it was probably, and I think the, the, the writer said he just wanted to go back to Okinawa. So that's why. Is that what it was? I think that's what you said in one of the uh, Cobra Kai interviews. They said <laughs> that's one of the main reasons. Yeah, they should have because John Avildsen directed it, I believe. They should have so. went the Rocky route, where it's the same guys fighting, but there's like a, another story arc, like the rematch or something in the valley, yeah. and you know, it was just such a radical departure. Uh, that being said, I'm glad uh, in Cobra Kai when they do kind of revisit it, uh, the same characters and the the location. Yeah, what was the character's name? I can't remember, but he was, was a guy. he was the guy. Yeah, <laughs> the Karate Kid Two guy. The Karate Kid Two guy. Yeah, uh, doesn't hold up for me. What, what is the criteria for holds up? Because there's movies that I think hold up that I don't like. Um, is the criteria more of do they hold up today from? When you first watched it, probably like it's kind of hard. I'd still go back. You know, would I buy this on Blu-ray? That's a that's good. That's yeah. a, that's the and that thing. that would definitely hold up. W- would I watch this again uh, when I've kind of come across it? That kind of verges into that. I like your attitude a lot, um, Robert. We can all take a page out of your book with films. 
that's how that's my caliber of movies now. Would Robert like Would it? Robert like this. <laughs> and if he doesn't, no. Uh, the next one we have a special treat. There's a Halloween trivia question here, but this is back to school, where and then you got to talk about long term, like waste management. I don't know if you know who runs that business, but it ain't the Boy Scouts. I'm thinking this is one of your favorite movies. Actually, it's not, but I love this movie. I've only seen it like three or four times, but I do enjoy Rodney Dangerfield's work very much. So that's I like probably why. That's probably why you still love it. You've only seen it three or four times. <laughs> Is it not good? Do you, it holds no. up for me. Uh, I haven't tried to think. I watched it not that long ago. I watched pieces of it. So, and I remember just kind of the the fun parts of it. Like I remember, like yeah. when they go to their dorm rooms, and he converted the whole wing to one big <laughs> room, and and that was like typical '80s stuff. Like, wow, I didn't know he could do that. They have a hot tub in their room. Um, he, but, he has a snorkel set on. And there's piece of obviously I really like like and. I think it has a good supporting cast, like Sally Kellerman yeah. uh, as the teacher. and uh, uh, So there's pieces of it I, I really like. Robert Downey Adrian, Jr. Adrian Barbeau in it as well, I think. Yeah. Maybe she played his wife. Or I think so. Something like that. But Yes, she did in the beginning. Um, but out of any Rodney Dangerfield movies, this, this and Caddyshack are probably the only ones that... Um, Caddyshack isn't necessarily his movie. This is his movie. Yeah, yeah the, he, he owns this one. It doesn't hold up for you. Um, it kind of does. I'll watch pieces of it if it's as I'm. I'm with you. Yeah. This is a movie. I would say it's better to YouTube the clips that you want to watch, because as a whole, though, and I, I do enjoy the ride, but there's some very cringe worth cringe worthy parts, like Keith Gordon with the glasses on and outside. That's like it's my dad, and you're like, oh, this is so bad. It's Keith Gordon, right? The kid. He makes Christine. a better director than actor, probably. But. Yeah, it's it, he's not good. He's just such a little like wimp in this, and you're like, but your dad is like this millionaire. That's cool. Like you should embrace him, <laughs> and uh, it 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 has some fun parts. So I yeah. I do enjoy it. But there are there are some. It's better on YouTube. What's so, the Halloween trivia question? Well, they they share a location that uh, the kind of party house uh, that he either moved or ha- has or has a party at. Uh, is the Halloween house the uh, the one that Laurie Strode babysits at? The party house on campus is the Laurie Strode house. I think so. Yeah, I can't remember. I just know they have a party there, and so um, yeah, Oingo Boingo sh- performs yeah, when they show the kind of outside of it. Um, that's the uh, Tommy Doyle's house that Laurie babysits in. No way. That's yeah, a cool not, little trivia. Uh, not not sure why huh. they chose that, but but yeah. That's pretty interesting. I like that. Uh, next on our list is, of course, Aliens. The creme de la creme, the <laughs> cruel, the, the crown jewel of the <clears throat> original trilogy. Um, so many different versions of this. There's a director's cut. There's extended cut. Uh, it's like the Blade Runner of the Aliens franchise. Uh, for me, it definitely still holds up. This is still one of my favorite films of all time. Same for me. I know we've talked about it many times before, um, but yeah. So this is one. This is one. I think if if I catch it half, you know, at the halfway mark, I'd usually just watch it through. I want you know, I want to see it to the end. You have to. You got to watch the whole thing. And um, as just, you know, I shout many, many lines from this movie. <laughs> oh, you have to. Did IQs just suddenly drop sharp? Drop sharply since I've been gone. You know, sometimes uh, my cat, if I'm leaving for the day, oh. I usually say, and you, you little shit, you're staying, you're staying here. here. Yeah. <laughs> you're staying here. 
Um, I think it'd be fun to incorporate aliens lines to situations using like deep cuts that aren't so overly applicable just to see what people do. Like, uh, well, you know, you have to, you have to get this project done before the next deadline. Well, when's the next deadline? Has no one discussed this with you? <laughs> 57 years. You know, like, what? What are you talking about? Cut off our collars. Have fancy suits. <laughs> then, then this, all this, this, this bullshit that you think so important, you can just kiss just that goodbye. Bye. Uh, uh, Aliens is a classic. Uh, next on our list is The Color Purple, a radical departure for Steven Spielberg at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a landmark film. Uh, and it's, uh, to me, it's a, it's a great, it's a great film, um, culturally, aesthetically, and, uh, historically. I, I say it still holds up the color purple. It does. I have not seen it in a while, but, um, I remember, vividly remember seeing it in the theater. And actually, I was aware of it Ooh. more because the year before, we were at Universal Studios. And, uh, the tram had stopped, and there was a bunch of, uh, uh, African-American, uh, and kind of, and, period garb hanging outside and they, and they said uh oh steven spielberg is shooting a scene in the studio and they came over to the, some of the extras Ooh. came over to the tram and talked to us at the time they called it um moon song or something like that they weren't okay. i don't know if that was, i think that was the code title or something like that they didn't call it the color, color purple so um so i kind of remember seeing all those people uh for the scene that they were shooting and actually i think the main the scene was one of the only sets uh where they had the um it was supposed to be in that kind of cabin uh, where there's a party going on and stuff like that. So, oh, that's but cool. Long story. I still like this movie. Yeah, no, that's a that's a that's a treat to kind of see that a little bit and have that little scoop. Yeah, I yeah, I think it's a good. I have film. some pictures I took. Yeah. Oh, nice color purple. Um, Star Trek for the voyage home. We have a, a a set visit. This is in San Francisco, Robert. Yes, uh, mostly. Uh, it's supposed to be all in San Francisco, and I think they mostly did shoot uh, in San Francisco. So you can uh, fans can check that out there. So this one does hold up for me. Um, I was a not a Star Trek f- super fan, but I kind of like oh I, you know st- I'd watch them, and I remember this had a lot of hype around it. It was right before Thanksgiving that it came out, and uh, I remember I was at my job at the library, and our at the library. Um, director was going to go see it opening night and and she reported back uh, about that so oh that's pretty so, cool yeah so a few times that i've been uh, up to san francisco i went to some locations and checked it out that's pretty exciting monterey bay aquarium that's a cool place yes so it looks almost exactly the same yeah i made the mistake of going there on a saturday oh no <laughs> which was like it was crazy busy but um i still had did you go into the aquarium and see the sawfish? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I have to. I, I had to do it all. Yeah, like if I'm going to go all the way there, I need to find every location that I can. So you're a completist. Yeah, but as you can see, you know every step, there you go. everything. Yeah. This is this is the Monterey Bay Aquarium. Yeah, so that obviously they put up green screen. Uh, yeah, uh, I was going to say. Yeah. No. So those those right whales those are not shots, in there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I haven't seen Star Trek four, but I imagine this is the one with the whales. This is the one with the whales that takes they can place communicate? In, in present time, and has Catherine Hicks, one of my favorite actresses. Oh yeah, so this holds up for you. It does. It's one. It's a funny film, and I think that's why nice. I think this is probably, at least in the original series, probably the most um, popular one. 
Next on our list, uh, I'm sorry, this is another one I have not seen. Ruthless People. What? Never saw it. <laughs> uh, Who's in Ruthless People? Danny DeVito, Bette Midler. Oh, Ellen, yes, I've Ellen seen Slater, this. Judge yes, yes, Reinhold. Yes, um, yes. So, I did see this. Uh, there was a few times. She's there, like kidnapped in the beginning. Yes. Yeah. So obviously I met a few of the cast over the years as well. I like your shirt. And this is, yep, Madonna Confessions right there. Well, that's cool. Uh, um, this is a funny movie. Yes. So it, this still holds up for me. There's probably some of the humor that does not, but there's still things There's still things I cackle at when I see this movie. Yeah. Uh, it's been a while for me. I have saw this in the last five years, but it, it, it's a fun movie. It's a fun ride. <laughs> Judge Bill, Reinhold's in it. Bill Pullman at probably his best, playing one of the dumbest or oh, clearly. Th- this could this could very well be the stupidest person on the face of the earth. Share with us this uh, shot right here. Where is this? I know this is the Beverly Center. Yes, and it, at the time, how did you it find was, this? It, I I can't. It doesn't well, look like it. That's where the so the tail of the pup is no longer there. But if you look, the Hard Rock that's my photo of the Hard Rock Cafe um, from when I was there in '88 when it was still a Hard Rock Cafe with the. Cars I was going to say because that exterior yeah. is completely different. Yep. So. Um, I, That's I a good it. shot. I, yeah, I happened to line up, so or kind of vaguely, kind of where it was. But wow. Uh, but yeah. So if I like a movie, I literally try to find all the pieces that I can. Is this the Egyptian theater? Uh, nope. This is just a building uh, in kind of uh, near Hollywood, but not in Hollywood. Oh, that's cool. Yep, this is sand. the original fence. <laughs> it's falling down. Oh my gosh! But you can see the red paint. Like so, you, you always know. I'm like, well, this is original. Wow. Where is this house at? That's in Santa Monica. Wow. You yeah. did? Oh, okay. Yeah, so you can kind of see it looks. This is one of the alleys. Yeah. They Those look significantly different now. There's about a thousand tents in there of homeless there? <laughs> people that they're trying to clean up. But they have not painted since the original. So yeah, there I am. I love it. He's a completist. He's a gentleman. <laughs> Next on the list is Meryl Streep and Out of Africa. No. I, I never saw it. Yeah. It does not hold up? Because this it, is like it, a, an Oscar film, right? It is Oscar film. It's one of those slow Oscar films. It has a great soundtrack, um, but but no. I don't think no. anybody really remembers anything except the soundtrack and the poster. I've never heard anybody say like, hey, we're all going to get together and watch Out of Africa tonight. <laughs> Blockbuster has 12 copies ready to go. <laughs> we can rent popcorn and M&M rent popcorn. We're going to return the popcorn <laughs> when we're not eating it. Uh, and the 10th highest grossing film of 1986 via Box Office Mojo is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. This is a John Hughes film. For me, this still holds up. It has a Clark seal of approval. It mostly holds up for me. Uh, but yeah, there's some pieces that just are kind of creaky for me. But... Um... And I've been to a few of the locations over the years, like the the school. I don't think I posted about it yet. His house is actually down in Long Beach. Right. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here. Do some of the parts that are creaky to you involve Cameron? Yes. They're a little cringy, right? Well. They're tough to watch. Tough to watch. I know what I sound like when I don't take my allergy medicine. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Bill. (laughs) You You know what bothers me about Cameron is, like, he... He's like up and down. He's like this depressed guy. You don't know if he's going to like kill himself or what's going on. And then all of a sudden he slaps into like this funny, energetic, like doing impressions kind of guy. 
and then he's back again to like comatose. It's like a weird. It's almost like the writers didn't know where they wanted to go with that, and they shot two different versions, and they just like spliced them Used together. Both of them. Yeah, um, it's kind of weird. Uh, Prin- Principal Rooney is kind of a hard to uh, knowing that what that actor is known for now. Yeah, um, but we also have yeah, Edie McClure, sex offender, um, who 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 can do no wrong uh, as the her, as the school secretary. Oh, she's the best. Yes. Plink. Such a great character actress. Pencils out of her hair. <laughs> I love her. I love her in Planes, Trains. She's just great. Yes. Uh, some other honorable top 30 mentions are uh, Down and Out in Beverly Hills. This is a, one of a favorite of my wife and I. We will watch this frequently. Uh, this still holds up. Well, g- good to know. I, I, I mostly like it. Actually, I, I went to many of the locations. I just haven't created the page yet. So I need to do that. Down and out, Beverly Hills. You, mm-hmm. you have to. Uh, you've categorized that one. I've been, yeah, I've documented it. I just not have made a page about it. So, exciting. I'll put that on my to do list. Oh, there you go. Uh, Stand by me. Great film. Stephen King's based on the his short story, The Body. Uh, this for me still holds up. Robert, how about yourself? It does. Um, I usually own it or different variations, but I don't watch it very often. No. Me neither. I try to keep it. This is a nostalgic. summer movie for me. I watch this with the great outdoors, like in the summertime, and only that, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I've tried to get Will Wheaton on the show before, to no avail. Well, I I know his mother. Like I'm friends, kind of with his her mother. His mother, we yeah. work together in a capacity. And she's always like, oh, I, w- I have to tell Will to come on sometime. And I never, ever hear any follow-up, ever. Will likes so to I don't talk, think Will's so I think actually he, being asked. I, I think he would, he would like the show. I think he would, too. Uh, Cobra. <laughs> <laughs> I did locations for this. I, I, I have did you? On my blog, but not my, my oh, web page yet. So. Him. Um, Just remember, Robert, <laughs> crime is a disease. <laughs> He's the cure. Okay, I think that's the tagline, believe it or not. Yeah, it's kind of he has the sunglasses and the matchstick, I think, sticking out of his mouth and smoking gun. And it was just like. It might be the most Stallone, Stallone movie ever. I think so. Yeah, when Stallone really became Stallone, he, he could. The poster alone sold the movie. Oh, one. it's just it's just this photoshopped, airbrushed drawing of him with the shades. <laughs> uh um, the cure, and he like well, at the beginning of the movie. There's like a robbery, and it's very like last action, last action hero, where he's like walks in, and they're yelling at him, and he just like shoots up everything. Yeah, and then goes to his apartment. He has a boring life, you know, just typical. <laughs> right, he's suicidal. Uh, Cobra yeah, is on the Cobra. blog of Robert Patterson's website, setdashjetter.com. Um, oh, this was the name of your blog: movie locations and more. Yeah, so I think I can't remember what the end more was going to be, but so that was created a long time ago. So it's kind of I've, obviously I don't change it. That's what it is. So you this was out. your this was your blog. Yeah, you have a lot of entries in here. I've I've been well, on this before. Yeah. So what I do now, if I could, if I whatever I'm doing, like this recent, I put a few photos and I say check it out at Setjetter. But um, I try to keep it going. Where is this beautiful place? I don't know. This is where my blog was bad. I would just like literally throw photos up and never go back to it again. And people were like, what's the address? And I'm like, 
Uh, so eventually I got into doing screenshot <laughs> comparisons and putting the address and stuff like that. But I think he did a good job. So somewhere, yeah, as you can see by laziness. So up here's the Friday 13th Part 5 gas station. Uh, really? Yeah. So I forgot. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Where This was in Cobra? Yeah. So I did probably some screenshots right after this. But, um, oh, no way. Yeah, there it is. Wow. It's showtime. It's showtime. Get in the car. <laughs> I have cocaine. Never changes. I love it. And Cobra Pi- to me Piru, does not hold up, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the often if used ever... uh, bridge in Piru, California. It's used in quite a bit. This no, church shows up too. everywhere. I just it just showed up in Pee Wee's Big Holiday and True Blood and all sorts of movies. Oh, how the cool! The street has been used in Night of the Is it Dark Night of the Scarecrow and Twilight Zone the movie and I am the night. Oh, wow. These are very cool. These are, this yeah. is good work. Yeah. What, what year was this that you took these? You said 2013? Uh, yeah, probably around that time. When did you first start set jetting for the listeners? Um, officially? O- officially. I know I like think, your whole life you've taken I pictures. I think, yeah, there's pieces. And I remember, I think it was my 2007 trip was mostly based around locations. And then ever since. So there we got some Venice. I noticed you you do mostly West Coast and Middle America. Do you ever go? I mean, I know you have, but do you do yeah. East Coast? I have done mostly New York and stuff like that. But then, um, yeah, I I like the warm weather. <laughs> it's more fun to come out here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, next on the list is the fly. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Yes. Very scary, creepy, gross movie. It definitely holds my, up for me. Yeah, it definitely holds up. Uh, has a great director, cast, soundtrack. Certainly. Uh, it's uh, timeless, it, really. In science fiction and horror, everybody knows the fly. That monkey scene, the baboon, <laughs> it still gives me the creeps. Um, but yeah, so this is Toronto that they shot it in. And uh, looks mostly the same. Obviously, did some updates uh, to the building. Uh, this area was also used in Police Academy. <laughs> was this area used in... It was Police Academy, wasn't yeah, it? it was. Adventures in Babysitting. I see my did notes. They, did yeah. they actually use downtown LA in uh, They Live, or was it Toronto? I it, was the, it, was, it was LA. Yep. It was LA. Um, these are cool shots. Yeah, the flight, it holds up for me. For you, is this like one of your favorite horror movies? It does. It's one of those that I like. Yeah, everything about it, it's kind of one of those, I don't want to call it perfect movies, but it's tight. Yes. And everything kind of fits together. And the uh, it's a little bit timeless. There, obviously, there's some 80s stuff happening. Yeah. I like that this pole looks exactly the same. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow, like 30 years later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's why I always feel like the weird. This it also was never touched up or anything. It looks pretty much the same. This is also the street. Uh, this area used in a police academy during the riots at the end. Oh, no this way. Yeah. Took, yeah. This all took place time. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. It's a great shot. Yep. Did you cover other films on this trip? Do you remember? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I, to, the Toronto, actually, I was on my way to go see Madonna in Montreal, and I had a few days in Toronto. And oh, cool. So I did this um, In the Mouth of Madness, The Gate. Yeah. Prom night. Sean Clark joined me on a lot of the prom night uh, locations with Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, oh, that's cool. Um, Dawn of the Dead, the remake, was shot up there. 
Um, yes. So yeah, so quite, actually, I could not fit everything I wanted to in that trip, so I do need to return to Toronto. I think Dawn of the Dead uh, you posted recently, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it just had its anniversary. So, um, but yeah, so it's fun. The Fly still holds up for Robert and Matthew. Absolutely. Next on the list in the honorable top 30 mentions of 1986, Poltergeist 2, The Other Side. So it almost holds up for me. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's pieces that are awful creaky. Um, but you also think about uh, yeah. Julian Beck, is his name, as, as Kane is so memorable. Um, totally. You're going to die in there. That, um, for me, does it for me. And that's why yeah. I'll watch it again. And then you forget there's other pieces where it's a little goofy <laughs> with the braces and and some overacting from uh, the family. Yeah, um, it, it, they were a little too like, we're doing another one, let's do it! Yeah. <laughs> I think they did it begrudgingly, too. I think so. Yeah, um, I, yeah it's, it's not like a great film, but it holds up that I'll watch it again. And it's, it's, it's nowhere in the same ballpark as Poltergeist, but it's, it's still... It still has some good parts. It holds up for me. I'll watch it again. And the next, next of course, <laughs> Russia's most famous mouse in an almost Disney-looking kind of film, but not Disney. An American tale with Fievel himself. And I have not seen it. What? Well, I was 16 at the time. I was that was probably way below me. It was. I saw it in the theaters because I was six at the time. So, um, how's it hold up for you? Yeah, I enjoy it. It's a fun movie. It almost it's like um, Anastasia. It wants to be a Disney movie, but it's not Disney. But now they probably own it. (laughs) Anastasia is another Russian movie. American Tale is about a Russian mouse family, immigrants, turn of the century. They go to the Statue of Liberty, or they go to Ellis Island, and gotcha. it's fun. It's a fun. It's a good. It's a good fun ride. Gotcha. Uh, oh, what a treat! Next on the list, <laughs> Friday the Thirteenth Part Six. Jason lives. Of course, it holds up. One of my favorite shots is Robert at that gas station that he got down there in. Was it Georgia? The gas station. Oh yeah, yeah. The, like, not what? the gas yeah. station. The convenience store. Yeah. Yeah. Karloff's, I think. What a treat that this that you, we have this on that this made the top thirty. Um, but yeah, so Covington, Georgia is where they shot a lot of it. Um, I the, you, you I mean been, Forest Green, Robert? <laughs> excuse, I'm sorry. Please. Um, uh, so the police station is kind of one of the first. Uh, actually, and I stayed at a bed and breakfast that was just about a block or two from here. So I, I it was kind oh. of fun because I, I went out during the day, but I also went out at night. I tried to get some night shots of these of Covington. So Covington has been used in quite a few films: Doctor Sleep, Vampire Diaries. Um, oh, how cool! Yeah. Or is Covington, Robert, and this next shot of uh, the camp in Rutledge are they close to each other? Um, semi close, I think. I can't quite remember now, but uh, it's a drive, you know, because you're just kind of traveling through. Are they? But... Is it far from like Atlanta? Um, kind of. I, I think it's still in a day's drive, though. If I, if I, I mean, not. I mean, you can go. I think I mostly stayed in Atlanta and just drove around, and then always went back to Atlanta. So um, I'm going but, to Georgia this year. I wanted to know if it was close to Atlanta. I could do yeah. a little trip. So the camp is pretty neat. Um, Here you the, go. If you can hit it, like um, obviously they do different. Have been doing different screenings there. Um, on one visit, I just like literally went to 
the uh, their main building and explained what I wanted to do. And there's like they just gave me the keys, so they give you the keys to the <laughs> gate. Really? And, yeah, because the the building is kind of across the street in a different place. And then there's like, here's the keys to the gate. So literally, uh, they said, shut <laughs> the gate. You had the after keys you. to Camp yeah. Blood. So you, I went and I opened the gate and I drove in no and I kind way. of shut the gate behind me. And then you're just driving in. And it was like, um, the, another time I went, it was being rented and then they just don't let people, which is fair because otherwise it's just, you don't, if you're having a, if you rented this area for a party or whatever, you don't want. Fans, you know what strangers like that but for the most part they've just been great to fans and and I always encourage that a donation jar and, and yeah I mean, so wait th- this operates as a like a recreational area for rent yeah yeah you can absolutely rent it so but, but when it's not being rented is it just closed like yeah so it's not an operating like uh park where people can just show up you, you have to like rent it or you can show up and ask like hey can i take a look yeah at yeah so not this particular section the, the park is kind of pretty big but there's other parts that you can but so yeah so i just kind of was there for i think an hour and just went to different cabins took some pictures that's so cool was this cabin if you um were to like rent out this for a private event do you spend the night there can you sleep there or is it I just for so, yeah. the day yeah no i think you can you can do whatever you want that's so cool yeah so they why are we doing this? There. We should all be taking yeah. a road trip. <laughs> well, they do. Uh, the The Myers house does have different screenings there. I think they have one oh. this summer that usually sells out pretty quickly. But I you can see that so. the road looks about the same. Cemetery uh, looks about the same. There, they they created a false kind of gate uh, for when they drive in in the movie, so that oh, yeah. gate does not exist. And for the most part, like these shots, this is a real cemetery. Uh, whatever you see Jason's grave, that's not a real cemetery. They built that somewhere else. That makes sense. Yeah. Tommy Jarvis, he was yep. played by a few different actors. Um, Forrest Green, they changed that in the film to uh, dispel the negative press around yeah. Crystal Lake. Yep. Yeah, finally. <laughs> uh, here it is. This is oh. a great shot. Because I Google mapped this when I first saw the site before I even really knew you. And I was like, wow, that's out in the middle of nowhere. And you got it. And it's still there. I Google mapped it and it's like still standing, this old rundown shed. Just barely. whatever. Yeah. It's funny because there's really not too many identifying shots. I mean, obviously people have found it. But when I went to go to the screenshots, I'm like, well, you don't really see too much of it. Uh, you know they're there. But That's cool, though. You went there. It, it really is, is run down. Weird for me to think. I'm picturing a 16 year old me watching this in the theater, probably not imagining, you know, 30 years later I would be at this particular spot. Which is it's kind of surreal to think about that. That you're watching these films and it's their heyday, their theatrical mm-hmm. release, and then you document them later. And say, one day I will be there. One day I will be there. Now I watch movies like that. But yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, now it's probably a different experience. You're like, yeah. I know where this is. Yeah. Um, that's cool. You did this trip, though. How old were you when you went here? Like, or what year was oh, that? This is this is probably like just a few years ago. So I was old. It's very cool. Yeah. Um, next up is Flight of the Navigator. <laughs> Date. Hello, David. And Paul Rubin's uh, finest role, voice role. One of his finest roles, or and Sarah Jessica Parker. What does he say? What's the line that the that the uh, the robot always says? Uh, affirmative. Is that right? It's something like that. It's something like maybe that's not it. Yeah. It's like a no. It's not affirmative, but it's something like acknowledge or some, something. Something yeah. like that. Something. God, I can't remember. So, but um, this this movie I just watched recently. It's on Disney Plus. 
Yes. And you've you've met the actor, and he's had quite a checkered past since this film. Yeah. Uh, last time I was in L.A., they happened to, and one of my best friends, this is one of his favorite movies, um, uh, so they actually had a screening of it, and the director was there, and a, a few of the cast, and the cool. casting director, and stuff like that, and they had a screening of the film. And so, uh, so saw, saw it on the big screen, which I had not seen on the big screen before. Um, so it mostly held up. I did, I'll be honest, I fell asleep during part of it. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. I, I, I'm not even trying to be funny. I watched this like a, two, three months ago, and part of it I was like dozing off. And I was like, oh, I, I got to wake up. It's Oh, compliance is what he says. Compliance. Compliance. Um, um, yeah, it still holds up. For the most part, but you know, you do fall asleepily. It gets a little sleepy. Yep. So I actually, and I bought. It's called Life After Navigator. Is the documentary, which I actually have, but uh, oh. I, because I'm still not set up in the basement yet, I have not watched it yet. So I'm gonna watch. I'll watch it on the big screen. That's cool. I like when you watch new films on this new screen, like films that you haven't watched yet. It's yes. kind of cool rite of passage. Uh, next on the so it still holds up for you, Robert. Yes. Next is a song, uh, a song, a movie that Disney will never release. Zippity doo da, zippity yay. Racism has no place today. <laughs> song of the South, maybe one of the most racist films ever, unintentionally, but also intentionally. Uh, no, it certainly does not hold up. I did see this in the theater, though. Oh, you did? I don't yeah. think I did. In 1986, they released it, and that was the last time they ever screened this movie. Um, it's. It, there are cultural depictions of race in this movie that you just can't do today. And Disney yeah. has said they will never release this again. But you could still do an 86, apparently. But an 86 was fine. It was still was fine. Funny. Nobody, nobody had a problem. Uh, aside from the racial stereotypes in there, which are, are pretty bad, um, it, it, the movie holds up in the sense that there's a good soundtrack and it's, you know, Bobby Driscoll's yeah. in it from Peter Pan and you know, it's like a heartwarming story, but there's, yeah, much, there's yeah. stuff that you can't do. Now, the next one you had mentioned, I know I have never seen. Mm -hmm. Firewalker. Firewalker. Yes, it's been a minute for me since I've seen it. I'd have to rewatch it. Uh, Drew Barrymore. It's a Stephen King film. Uh, I couldn't tell if it still holds up. That's Firestarter. Firestar. Oh, Firewalker. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen Firewalker then. So. Fire, wait, Firewalker is... Lou Gossett Jr., maybe? I think. And Chuck Norris. Something like that. But yeah, I've not seen that. Yeah, I have seen that. It's it's not a good film. So we will no longer be mentioning that. Firewalker. No longer yeah. honorably mentioned. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, maximum Overdrive. We're going to wait because we yep. have a segment coming up after this. And next on the list is... Peggy Sue got married. Francis Ford Coppola. This one, have you seen it? Uh, no, I don't think so. Maybe not. So, uh, this is a movie. It must still hold up for me because I revisit it pretty often. Oh, that's, uh, um, that's reassuring. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't know, but probably because it's an aging thing. And I remember uh, I was in high school at the time, and she, uh, she in the movie, more or less, this is kind of post back to the future where she's an adult and she gets zapped back in time to her high school to, when she was a high schooler and so i like that setup. i like that it, a lot and of course everybody looks the same uh, 
they're older uh but of that's, course yeah so the high school that you're looking at right now this was the original high school that they were supposed to use in scream until they read the Ooh. script and they said no thank you so this was going really? to be the scream high school well that's pretty cool this is in mendocino avenue santa rosa santa rosa california where cool. they shot other parts of scream but um yes. so um i think this is petaluma california um, so obviously you can see it was chosen for, it could easily, with a few Ooh. tweaks, could be kind of go back in time. Yes, that was probably why they picked it. So Explorers was also shot here. So so it's funny, this one, nice. I, when this had its anniversary, um, this got a, a lot of likes. People have a nostalgia for this, remembering this film. So Yeah, it's a classic. You hear a lot of people like this. Um, but N Nicolas Cage, I think, was one of his first roles, not at his best, I guess. You talk about Cameron using kind of a weird voice. <laughs> really? Nicolas Cage was using a, I don't know what he was doing. but What was he trying to do? Something artsy? Uh, no, really nasally. Oh, Peggy. You know, I was just like, uh, it was oh. great. So, but Kathleen Turner, this is probably her at her best. Oh, nice. Yeah. And Catherine Hicks. Catherine Hicks was having quite a year. <laughs> Apparently, she was getting a lot of work. Good agent that year. She was, yeah. So uh, I don't think I've ever talked to her about this film, but and it's another film I quote quite a bit. Like if it's like, oh really? This is oh, what yeah, it's a guy's Catherine Hicks's line. I think she goes, "Oh Peggy Sue, it's it's Saturday night. It's date night. So whatever, even though <laughs> <laughs> it's I'd, date night. Yeah. <laughs> so this still holds up for you. It does, and good soundtrack as well. Uh, I'm going to jump down to Can't Look Away. I know it's getting late sure. there, so I, did, I didn't want to keep you. Um, but there's an afterthought we had, uh, listeners. Robert, if you're still good to go, a few more minutes. Yeah, no, I'm good. Okay. Um, I'm not I, do, I, I have no life. I'm not doing anything. Oh, don't oh, be <laughs> stop being ridiculous. I just know it's getting late. I didn't want to. Uh, I know you, you have Darby O'Gill to catch up on tonight. <laughs> there's. Um, there was an afterthought we, we discussed that Robert brought up, and I think it's an excellent topic. And he was uh, looking at an article for the lowest rated movies on Rotten Tomatoes and decided to come up, Robert came up with this great segment called Can't Look Away. And what this is is a list of bad movies that are arguably bad, but we still watch them. And I think we can jump into two tonight, one, yeah. of, one of for each. But for 1986, uh, do you want to do 1986 ones? Yeah, yeah. There, there's a, I, I, I marked a couple that are said. These are kind of the primaries, and there's a couple runner-ups. These are great. Yeah. Uh, let's start with Maximum Overdrive. This is um, an ad adaptation of Stephen King's short story, Trucks, starring Emilio Estevez, and it's, it's really a bad film. It's about machines that come to life via a comet or something like that. Yes. And they kill people. All kinds of machines. Trucks, um, dishwashers, blenders, ATMs, bridges. Uh, like the automated bridges. Um, this is not a good film, but I still watch this, and I still enjoy it very much. I think because they knew it was so bad, I don't know. Well, but the big deal at the time, this think? was Stephen King's directorial debut. Yes. And I don't, he, I don't think he directed again since. Now, I think since that time, he kind of said, I think he was kind of coked out during this, which might explain some of uh, the, the choices used. But... Yeah. Um, yeah, that some, explains a lot. <laughs> but if you compare this to Trucks, they actually remade this, or they actually made it again based more on the short story. And the Trucks is a dull 
movie. <laughs> I started watching it after we talked about it one show, and I couldn't finish it. No, oh, yeah. So it's just like, whew. I was like, I, um, I got to turn this off. It makes Maximum Overdrive look like a masterpiece. So, it makes so it there's look like Kane. Yeah, there's pieces like probably my my most memorable sequence is uh, the boy. He's at the baseball practice. <laughs> so the you know it starts off like with the coach, like you know the pop just obviously that doesn't even work engineering wise that that would happen. But no, uh, but with the the steamroller that comes out of nowhere and just going right over the kid, and then and so you can imagine in 1986 in the theater. There was hooting and hollering, like you kind of. Of believe. course, I love that you call it pop too. That's a great heart of America reference it is. right there. I usually call it soda, but no, I like that you say pop. Yeah, but uh, um, yeah, the, the soda, vending machine. machine. Yeah, it just does not work that way. Yeah, they do not shoot out directly projectile into one's crotch area. You, they fall down. You have to reach it and pick it out. Um, they, but... they, they, it's a shoot. I know. I'm just I'm overlooking this, but. <laughs> It's ridiculous that they did that, and the yeah. the uh, the the steamroller. It's just so bad, but I can't stop watching it. It well, it's a watchable film um, because one, you know, like, and Wanda is probably my favorite character, the waitress. Um, of course, we made you. So we she actually you. who who had a nice little role in uh, Oliver Stone's JFK a few years later. Oh yeah, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So she, so she, she, she was my the star of that film for me. I just like the big truck with like the alien bumper, <laughs> the, like, the goblin or whatever. The goblin. Yeah. Goblin. Yeah. Uh, the big goblin. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, and the music. Like maximum overdrive. Uh, and that was my choice of can't look away. Sounds like we we both agree on that. Yeah. And your choice was. King Kong lives. <laughs> Nobody would go see this in the theater with me. Nobody. They they knew it I've was a stinker. This movie. Well, so ten years after the original, uh, Linda Hamilton, uh, fresh off of Terminator, uh, I think this was her probably next big role, and uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so Kong falls off the World Trade Center. He, what you don't know is actually survived, and. <laughs> Uh, he's been in a coma this whole time. And oh, yeah, of course. They have the movie opens with <laughs> a heart transplant, uh, kind of, of like the gorilla. The, yeah, a Jarvis wow. heart. So the thing is, not only is it like this, you know, huge ten foot wide kind of uh, artificial heart, <laughs> but everything is big. So like scalpels and everything are like huge size. You're joking. I am not. And it has You're my, me. my favorite line uh, from this film what? is like, Linda Hamilton's. I think they had just did the surgery and they're like only one thing can save Kong now. And then one of the hicks like watch that and they do the close up a miracle. <laughs> no. And that's I'm like I, yes. I got to watch this now. So not only in King Kong the 76 one which I do enjoy very much actually. Yes. And I'm very uh, excited for the new Blu-ray coming out for that. Ooh. With, with they're that. gonna have the TV extended cut as well. Yes, the act those extra scenes, extra shots. Yeah. So in King Kong in King Kong nineteen seventy six, not only did they try to kill him, obviously, because he's destroying the city, but he falls from the top of the World Trade Center. He lives in a coma, and instead of just putting him out of his misery, they find a heart big enough to resuscitate him well, and do a transplant artificial heart they had to make so okay so they created a what i would imagine is millions of dollars in 1986 yes to keep him alive yes 
<laughs> this and sounds then, amazing. And it only gets better because, and then meanwhile, they realize there's a Lady Kong that's discovered. <laughs> Why is this movie not on the top of our lexicon? It what's well, on the top of mine. But uh, have you seen the movie called The Big Hit? Big Hit? The Big Hit with Mark Wahlberg. So <laughs> one of the movies, speaking of video rentals, this is a movie that he they, they, they he always has playing on the background, and this is the videotape that he has to return, is King Kong does. <laughs> so other no people way. do kind of get the joke. So And so right now I see you pulling up some pictures. You can see the big heart. It's amazing. The, the it's big, disgusting. Uh, it's great. <laughs> the big, if you, I see that, the big scalpels and clamps. It's just incredible. Oh, wait, um, oh, and he has a big, uh, he has oxygen hooked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because so, it's a transplant. They have to keep him sedated. Yes. So it is a treat. It might be a chore for people to actually get through. But I'm going to watch. This is my homework tonight, sir. Hopefully it's streaming somewhere. <laughs> it, we're purchasing it if it's not. Do you, have you watched this recently? And not recently. I'll probably have to kind of rewatch it too. Um but the, and there's there's painful segments that are take a while to get through, but there's enough there's enough wrong with it that I always have to watch. So Kong get without spoiling too much, Kong. I assume the surgery is successful. Yes. And then he comes back to terrorize. Well, he wakes city? up and smells a lady. Um, and so you can only imagine what happens. So. <laughs> It's, it's what an amazing film was this a uh, i'd imagine this was a hit though like it probably recouped its it money. was not i don't think i think it failed miserably really yeah people it's the thing people knew to stay away like they just knew yeah and nobody was clamoring for another king kong kind of like they are don't, now but yeah do you think that was because of the 76 one because that was a fun movie like people enjoyed that right i did i love the set well actually um I grew to love it. Um, I, when I when it first came out, I was too young, uh, and I was too scared to see it. Yeah. Even though my sister, who was four years younger, went to go see it in the theater. I think she was two, two oh or three. Oh my gosh! Good for yeah. her. And she thought it was the best. Uh, but I was just I was too horrified to even think about of a, a huge ape. So <laughs> it's scary as a kid. My parents yeah. actually had this. If you remember Betamax, like pre VHS, mm-hmm. they had this movie on Betamax. So I watched this as a kid in the basement. And it was like, oh my gosh, this is so scary. And then I'd have like a like a neighborhood friend over to play, and I was like, I have King Kong, and they're like, oh my gosh, turn it off. And I was like, no. <laughs> and we never really finished it, maybe once, yeah. because it, we were too scared. Yeah, and what's a long one too? But, it uh, is a lengthy film. But yeah, I was really disappointed that uh, when I was went to Hawaii that we were supposed to go to the beach that they land on. Um, but the weather was so bad that day we couldn't do it. That was kind of one one of my oh no misses. yeah. Next time. Yep, for sure. So that's going to be our show for tonight, Robert, unless you had anything else you'd want to discuss. No. 80, 86 is kind of the year where things kind of began to move past the golden age a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> they did. Yeah, 83, 84, 85. You're in the prime, prime yeah. time of the 80s. 86, we're starting to experiment a little bit. Some of those experimentations, not so good. Yeah, the blockbusters are... Is really pitching to mainstream more than I care for. Good point. You're a true film legend, Robert. Thank you always for being on the show. Always good to talk to you. Always good to talk to you. Please listen to all the shows for free, ladies and gentlemen, on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and more. Please visit the set jetter at set-jetter.com. 
Always a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Set Jetter Saturdays, and we will see you next time. Good night. Why?